Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Hokies Press Pass Podcast. Alongside Andy Bitter, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, I am Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Happy holidays to everyone out there. This probably will be our last podcast before the holidays. We're not sure. Yeah, we'll see. Signing days next week at a real awkward time, and uh, it might be tough to get together again before we travel down to Orlando for the game. Yes, looking forward to that trip. Uh, today what we're going to talk about, the, the, the McMillan transfer, uh, Vance Vice appearance. We always love talking about Vance Vice when we get a chance. Signing day is coming up. Uh, we'll talk about why recruiting sucks. Uh, we'll also talk about recruiting uh, in general, not <sighs> specific to the Hokies this year, if that's, oh, no, the, way, if that's right. the way you took that particular. Right. No, just the general process of having to recruit players sucks. Um, <laughs> and you don't necessarily have to agree with that either. You can you can take a different tact if you'd like. Uh, well, I have an addendum to my whether this is better a uh, better coaching job this year or last year for Fuente. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Heisman vote. We both have a vote. We both voted the way you probably think we did. Oklahoma State is a huge public favorite. We'll talk about that, and then we'll get into the bowl guide. We'll do a very rapid-fire review of the gambling bowl guide, and Andy, you will tell me. Sponsored by Money by <laughs> Rubber Band Banks. Yes, sponsored by Rubber Band Banks. You are going to uh, tell me whether I'm crazy on some of these picks that I've made. That, that whole guide's going to run Saturday. You know you're gambling. I'm not going to question too many of the picks unless it's just egregiously wrong, and then I'll be like, you idiot. And then I'll be wrong on the other side, and you'll be you know, counting your money at the end of this thing. I've been doing this about 10 years now, and I think I've had one losing season against the spread, which is pretty good. Last year it was like 54%, which is not, not, not anything you're going to pump, pump your chest about or puff out your chest. But uh, What do you need What do you need to do to, to uh, make money? It's like 52. Okay. You yes. made money, though. Yeah. That's the bottom line. But I don't know if the rubber band would have been you know, needed for, for unless you bet a, a lot on A simple money clip would have sufficed. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, let's let's dig into topic number one, which Trayvon McMillan, uh, as we've talked about in the past, his his usage under, under Justin Fuente has been a lot different than it was uh, under Beamer. And now he announces that he is moving on. Uh, he's going to transfer and he's not going to play in the bowl. Andy, your reaction? Uh, not surprised. Uh, I think a lot of people saw this coming for a while just based on his usage over the years. I may be kind of surprised that he's doing it before the bowl game. I thought he might have stuck through the bowl game. But, uh, you know, this was a thousand-yard rusher two years ago, breakout season 2015. Uh, really only ascended to the starting job in week six. He still got to a thousand yards that year. You know, that was Scott Leffler. He's a dude. That's what he called him. He's a dude. Uh, you know, you, you thought this was the next great running back in Virginia Tech. Um, the first guy to get to 1,000 yards since David Wilson. So that's a pretty big deal in Virginia Tech circles. Uh, obviously, Beamer retires. Leffler moves on to another job. Fuente comes in. I don't feel like this new staff ever really thought of Trayvon in the, or looked at him in the same light or thought of him as the same kind of running back. Uh, last year, 671 yards on 145 carries. This year, 104 carries, 439 yards. I know some of that is injuries was factored into that, but you know his usage is basically cut in half from that breakout year a couple years ago. And 
uh, from week to week, you never really knew how much he was going to play. I mean, whether he was going to get 17 carries in the game or two or whatever it was going to be. I mean, that last game against Virginia where I think he was healthy. I think he was banged up against Georgia Tech the previous week. Uh, I think he was – or two weeks uh, prior against Georgia Tech, got beat up, didn't play a whole lot against Pitt because he was a little bit injured. I think he was fine against Virginia, still had two carries and one reception in that game. So – if you're a player and you have this option out there as a graduate transfer uh, where you can play your final year basically anywhere, uh, you know, had, had, I think there are still restrictions that Virginia Tech can put on his transfer, uh, specifically to teams on the schedule. But if that option is there and you're like, am I going to go through another year where I don't know how much I'm going to play from game to game, uh, this might be the better option. So I, I can't really fault him for that. I think from Virginia Tech's side, it, it opens up a scholarship they could use on somebody else. So I don't think they're all broken up about it either. Uh, probably best for both parties for this thing to uh, split off in different directions. Yeah, I looked at the picture that we ran with both the online version of the story on Trayvon transferring and also the, the print version. And it's Trayvon breaking a tackle and just you look at his arms and they're just bulging, you know, with your veins popping out of the biceps. And you look at that and you think, well, at least I thought, there's a lot of work that goes into becoming a player that can play major college football, you know? And so I totally understand why if you put in that kind of work, you would like to play. Uh, you, you mentioned, I mean, his numbers, it's funny because it kind of tells you a lot about this offense because his rushing yards go down from one Oh four, three, six, seven, one, four thirty nine over three years. His receiving totals actually go up 64, 114, 173. He's got three receiving touchdowns this year too. Um, I think that just tells you a little bit more about how they how they use their running backs, and um, I can I can understand he's a he's a he's sort of a he's built like a guy who could carry a, a big load, and maybe he can find a place where he'll carry that load. Yeah, I, I think it's just. <laughs> When it, the situation gets this far in, it's probably not going to change his senior year. Especially, you look at the way that, uh, you know, if Stephen Peoples was healthy all year, I feel like he would have started every game. Fuente just loves him. He loves that guy. He does everything right. Uh, maybe not as dynamic of a runner as somebody like Trayvon McMillan, but he's, he's like a bowling ball. He's impossible to tackle. He blocks. He can catch passes. He's just sort of the total package at running back. Kind of like Sam Rogers in that sense, who wasn't this game-breaking guy, but he just did everything right, and I think that's what the coaches like about him. Uh, Deshaun McLeese came on as the season was was getting uh, deeper in. Uh, Jalen Holston had a bigger role as the season kept going along. So I, I think Trayvon kind of looked at the writing on the wall and was like, listen, I've, I've just sort of never been in the favor of this coaching staff. It's just not going to work out. Uh, I wonder how much Fuente's approach to running backs is going to affect bringing in really good guys here. And, you know, he, he likes to use a lot of guys in the ground game. He said, I, you know, I'm not against using a single guy and kind of having that feature back. I just haven't had quite had that guy yet. So maybe that's a message to recruits like, hey, I still could feature you if you're that good to warrant that kind of carries. But, uh, you know, this is a position where guys are used to having the ball in their hands. They're used to being sort of the, the focal point of an offense. And when you get five, six carries max sometimes in given weeks, uh, that's tough to do. That's, I mean, from an ego standpoint, that's tough to do. From a rhythm standpoint, it's tough to get into the game and sort of uh, figure things out. I, I just wonder how much of an adverse effect this approach offensively is going to have on recruiting and whether they can get that kind of guy in here. Because this is now two, year, two times in Fuentes' two years here where a guy has moved on with eligibility left. And 
you know, I think Trey Edmonds just kind of looked at the whole situation and uh, figured, you know, not knowing too much about Fuente's offense, just figured, hey, they've got Marshawn Williams, they've got Shai McKenzie here, I'm going to go on for my final senior year and, and uh, you know, try to get some carries somewhere else. As it turned out, he probably would have gotten a lot of carries uh, if he had stuck around and been healthy. But, you know, Trey Edmonds leaves that first year, Trayvon McMillan leaves this year. I mean, since David Wilson left, I mean, J.C. Coleman is really the only guy to get to the finish line as a running back here. I mean, Michael Holmes, uh, you know, booted from school, goes to jail. I mean, that was a, a horrible ending to that whole thing. Marshawn Williams has the injury. Shai McKenzie, the injuries in the transfer. Uh, uh, Mangus, Chris Mangus transfers. He was a speedster out there. D.J. Reed didn't work out. He moved on. Uh, Trayvon McMillan now, he moves on somewhere else. It just It's this long list of running backs here that just have never seemed to get all the way to, to the end. It's kind of amazing when you look at it. Well, I have this idea that if someone hires me as a baseball general manager, I would be the maverick general manager. The, the, new, uh, the new money ball would be me just building a pitching staff of 13 players who are all relievers. And all they do, you don't have a starting pitcher, and you and you you stagger them. They pitch one to two innings a game, and then they, they have an off day on the third day. And I was trying to poke holes, and because we all know that you know that the second and third time you face an order, the the average goes way up, and all those things, and you can get relievers on the cheap, uh, even very good ones. But I was thinking about what what would poke holes in that, and it's well, you know, is are people going to want to come to my team? You know, and and I think that's you're that's it's similar to what you're talking about with running backs here. Are they going to want to come to this team? I'd love to be a fly on the wall uh, in the recruiting pitch. You know, if, here's how we're going to utilize you, and here's why we think you're great. Yeah, it, it's like that whole relievers thing sounds great, and then you realize you have to go five innings to get a win. Right. And when arbitration comes around exactly. or salary negotiations come around, everybody looks at wins, <laughs> whether they're going to pay you. It's like when you look at a running back, you look at how many yards they have. I, I thought this was interesting. I know, you know, injuries and these guys went to the NFL early, but you look at Virginia Tech's all-time rushing list, and Trayvon McMillan is ahead of both Ryan Williams and Darren Evans by a handful of yards. Now, Ryan Williams had far fewer carries, a much better yard per carry average. But, I mean, we're talking about a very accomplished runner in the history of Virginia Tech. And it's just like he's moving on. And it's just sort of like, yeah, maybe I sort of expect – like it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, that right. He was moving on. It's amazing to me that somebody uh, could have been that productive in the course of his career. I think he had 23 total touchdowns with Virginia Tech. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, and he moves on. Everybody's just like, oh, yeah, okay. He moves out. we got other guys. So it, it's kind of – like I don't think – the short term it really affects the team that much because honestly I didn't think Trayvon was going to play that much in the bowl game anyway. That's probably part of the reason why he decided to just move on at this point and not go down there and play. Yeah, that's a great point about how little of a ripple it made both with you and I and also I think with the fan base. I mean it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> we understand um, from all parties really. Uh, we, we talked last week about the coaching connections there there are plenty of them in this game uh but you had an opportunity in between now and, and that time to uh, talk to vance vice did you have anything good to say vance vice is always great to talk to uh and he was talking about you know he and gundy were roommates or home dorm mates they were in the same dorm uh, down the hallway from each other when they played together at oklahoma state back in the day uh, Vance Vice was a big blocking tight end. Gundy was the brash quarterback of that team. The stars of the team were, you know, Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders. So that was where th those are the money makers on those team. And these, these other two were sort of uh, there for the ride, I guess. I mean, Gundy was the the big eights all time leading passer. So I guess he's a pretty accomplished guy, even though 
you know, sort of the engine of that team was those running backs. Uh, but, you know, we, we tried to coax some stories out of Vance about back in the day. He's like, I don't know. We, we got some stories. I got to talk to Mike and be like, listen, these probably don't need to be made public. Like what stays – what happened back in the 80s stays in the 80s. It's kind of like Mexico. <laughs> it's like that's a great quote. This is why we request you, Vance Vice, to come into the interview room, you know. We asked, uh, I think it was Barber who asked Gundy on the teleconference, like, uh, is Van, did you copy your hairstyle from Vance Vice? He's like, Vance Vice has had that haircut for 30 years, like since back in the day. We asked Vice about it. He's like, you know, Gundy used to sort of perm up his hair a little bit. Uh, so he's kind of waiting for that. Uh, then one, I think it was a TV guy asked sort of an offhand question. He's like, do you have any side bets on this game? It's like, first of all, like gambling in the NCAA, like no coach is going to touch that question because he there's no gambling on anything. It's the don't bet on it whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but Vance is like, do you know how much money he makes per year? <laughs> I'm not getting anywhere near that. It's like Gundy is now making $5 million a year because he you know, flirted with Tennessee this past offseason. As he seems to do about every – uh, other year, it seems like there's a job that he's being mentioned for. So uh, just a couple of funny nuggets to come out of that last press conference that we had. Well, Vance could always put up that jacket as collateral in any gambling scenario. That's right? true. It's worth a lot. Right? I don't know how much that's worth. I think it's uh, on the low end of uh, – I don't even know. Is it a leather jacket or is it like one of those like running – like like try to sweat jackets? I, I don't, yeah, I don't quite know what it is. It's, it's an original look though. I like yeah, it. It's pretty sweet. Uh, well, you know – Vance has been among the guys that are out trying to recruit players, and we got a signing day coming up here in December. And I guess this means we finally don't have to have that annual tradition of at uh, the the media days in in, in July where everyone's like, when are we going to get an early signing? I guess we've got one now. Well, they have one now, but nobody really is satisfied with it. <laughs> like some people wanted it to be way earlier in like August. And then other people are like, well, I don't want it smack dab in the middle of bowl season. And then other people are like, well, why even have it if it's not going to be early enough? It's just whatever it's going to be is not going to satisfy all parties. So this is sort of like a a compromise that nobody's exactly happy about. But, you know, I guess it shaves off a, a month plus on some of these guys that they don't have to continually recruit them over and over in the, in the you know, the home stretch of signing day here. How's Tech going to do on these? I mean, are they looking at a good class, you think? They, they have a pretty good class right now. I think it's ranked 15th from the, the 247 composite rankings. Uh, they don't necessarily have a ton of targets left, so I would imagine that drop that ranking's going to drop a little bit like it did last year at the end. Uh, I think they ended up 26th last year where they were maybe in the teens uh, going into the final week of signing uh, the recruiting calendar. Uh, this year, it's interesting. You know, it's a December 20th to 22nd period, and it's a 72-hour period where uh, high school guys can just sign and get it out of the way. Virginia Tech has 23 commitments right now. 22 of them are high schoolers. One's a prep uh, prep guy at Fort Union. Justin Fuente pretty much is treating that as though if you're committed at this point, he expects you to sign at this early period. And if you don't sign, he doesn't really consider you committed. I mean, it's it's, it's sort of a all your cards are on the table moment for these coaches and these recruits is, okay, are you committed? Are, are the players actually committed? Are they going to sign? And are the schools actually going to like honor these commitments? Like, you know, how sometimes you can string a guy along and somebody thinks they're committed, but there's not actually an offer there. Uh, well, they're going to find out whether they get mailed this letter to sign at that point, whether the the offer is real. So uh, I, I guess 
if there's a little bit more transparency that ha- has to happen in, in recruiting, it's it's there because it's an earlier signing period. You're going to find out whether or not this is a real deal that you're having with these schools. Uh, it, it's interesting. Nobody really knows exactly how it's going to play out in this first year, so I'm, I'm kind of an interesting observer myself. Well, on Sunday I was in Williamsburg. Uh, Salem was playing in the Class 4 state title game. They won. They Congratulations to the Spartans. Third, third title in a row, ninth title for the program. But as I'm standing on the field before the game and it's freezing cold, who should I see over in the corner of the end zone but but Bud Foster? And he's bundled up. And I thought, uh, well, I went over and said hello, and I just felt terrible for the guy. I'm like, here you are. You're this iconic figure. And you have to go out to Williamsburg to watch. Louisa County was their opponent, Salem's opponent. And they have a kid, a linebacker. I think his name's Brandon Smith. you know, he's getting offers from Alabama and, and everywhere else, and I think Tech's also looking at him too, uh, obviously. Uh, but I was told that Bud was also at last week's Stanton River game uh, along with Justin Fuente. They were both there. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, what a lousy – like these guys are accomplished men who have to go do this. And, you know, like I, I didn't mind going to the game. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed covering the game, but – but to go and just stand there just to be seen, right? That's what that's what they're doing. They're just being seen, right? Yeah, to, to go up to the guy and say, hey, I'm here. Look at me. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here in person. A couple things about recruiting. Uh, you know, Fuente came in last week to talk to us on Saturday, and he had basically, like, just come in off the road. Like, you know, got the scruffy beard kind of going a little bit. You could tell he was kind of a little bit out of sorts. They just had practice wasn't very good in the interview setting. You can tell he's just like exhausted from having been on the road for two straight weeks. It's like, this is horrible. This is a miserable life that you have to do this. And the second part of it is, is you're like, all this is on the whim of like 17 and 18 year olds and what their decision is. It's like, Oh, I thought we had this guy. And then like, Oh, he did an official visit. And he thought the scoreboard was really cool. How they like introduced him or something like that. That completely changed his mind. <laughs> in one thing I remember when I was in Auburn, and uh, Tracy Rocker uh, was an Auburn legend defensive lineman who came back to be the assistant coach. He might be at Georgia now. I can't remember exactly where. He went to the NFL briefly, came back to college. I think he might be at Georgia, but I'm not sure. Uh, he finished up an interview with us, and you know, he was talking to one of the, the older guys on the beat. He's like, ah, I'm going out begging again. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got to go beg these kids. It's like – Man, just like you have to like debase yourself and like act like a clown on Twitter with all the emojis and all this other stuff and basically go in these living rooms and like beg these 17 and 18 year olds to come play for your school. And it's like a sales pitch thing. It's like I can understand why after they get the recruit, the, the like the letter is signed and they come in here and they're like, OK, the pampering is over. Freshman, you know, pond scum here. Like you are nothing anymore. We're going to break you down because for the longest time you held this edge over us and we had to like cater to everything you need. And it's like, oh, you got to be really nice to my family. And like whenever I text you, you got to text back right away and all this. It's like, man, this is just so degrading, I would feel like, for grown men to have to do this and just like, you know, act a fool and a clown sometimes to like, you know, put on a happy face and, and get all these guys to, to come sign with your team. I mean, I guess some, some guys really like it. And I guess maybe I'm projecting the horrible side of recruiting. I'm sure there's lovely parts of it and meeting all these great people and, you know, actually like helping them out and they're really happy to get a scholarship. So I'm sure that's there too, but I'm sure that deep down in the minds of all these coaches are like, Oh, this, 
stupid stuff that we have to do all the time. It's got to be just infuriating. You know, that's why I would go after two and I'd, I'd get fired, but I'd go after two and three star guys because they would be appreciative. You know, they'd be like, oh, I got offered by tech. So no, never, don't ever hire me. McFarland yeah. would have 25 commitments for the following year in like March, like all done, taking the year off. I mean, that, that's part of it now. It's like these new rules. It's like there's more official visit times. It's like a kid wants to take an official visit in the summer and you're a coach, like trying to actually get some downtime in a time of the year where you should be able to get some downtime. It's like, oh, I got to go into work and, and deal with these guys. Like these guys are very well paid, so I don't feel too sorry right. for them. But I think – some of the some of the reason why some of these guys in college decide to go take pro jobs is so they don't have to deal with that anymore. Uh, you know, Chip Kelly, I think, for the longest time, just like was so fed up with the recruiting side of it and everything that went along with being a college coach. He's like, you know, I just want to be in the NFL. I just want to be paid to coach football. Right. Uh, you know, Torian Gray, I don't know if that factored into his decision, but I'm sure it's nice not to have to worry about recruiting all the time because really that's your full time job in college. Like I know. The, the player development side is a big deal, but you get 20 hours a week with them during the season. And, you know, wink, wink, 20 hours a week. It's it's, it's more than that. But, uh, you know, recruiting is 24-7 all the time. And outside of the dead periods, like there's really, there's really not a, a break from it. Even the dead periods. Um, yeah. Can you contact people and all that? Like if they text you or something like that, you can respond. I can't exact, exactly remember all the rules are associated. But there are so many times in the recruiting calendar where you're just on – uh, that it's it's got to be a difficult lifestyle. Yeah, and you can remember, you know, ten years ago when the debate was raging about the fate of Brian Steinspring and whether you know he should be the offensive coordinator, and you know the the argument, one of the arguments on the other side was, well, he's a great recruiter, and those are those are valuable, you know, just having yeah. a guy who can who can win the, the living room battles, that's that's a big deal. Um, I have an addendum speaking of coaching to our discussion a couple of weeks ago about whether or not this was Fuente's better year or last year was Fuente's better year. And I'm trying to strengthen my own argument that Fuente's year, we both agreed that last year was better. I used presidential comparisons to say that last year was better. And, it was and great. you're going to use facts from this year to bolster your argument. Well, we it's, it's not a new fact either. It's a fact we brought up like seven times on this podcast, but you know, with seven games with where you're favored by two touchdowns. Okay. That leaves five games that are basically uh, questionable. Like if you don't win those uh, seven games, then you know we're not having this discussion anyway. I mean, because you're you're not right, having a good right. record. But so you went two and three in games that were basically toss ups. And, and now we won't say that the Clemson game was necessarily a toss up, but um, in the Virginia game they were fairly healthy favored. But if if you if you use if you if those two cancel each other out, I mean, he went two and three in those games. I mean, like he, a, a monkey could have won six of those seven games they were favored by two touchdowns. That's my that's. I'm not trying to degrade him. I think you just did I, by, I, by comparing him to a monkey coaching on the sideline. I'm telling you. you just did. Or as Nappy was a chimpanzee. He always, he always puts an emphasis on the pants. A chimpanzee. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, last year there just seemed like there were a lot more results that you didn't expect. Like that he – I, I didn't go back and look at how many times they were favored by two touchdowns last year, but I would imagine it was probably four. And I know they lost one of those games. It was – Syracuse, but well, they, I mean, you think of last year they had games like Pitt and Duke and uh, UNC, where you know, the results were positive for Virginia Tech, but the line was very close, right? A very tight line in some of those games. 
uh, a couple others I'm probably forgetting. I mean, there were a lot more of those, like, coin toss games that they won. Right. And, and that's you, an impressive thing. That's why you can't just say, well, he won the same amount of games with a lo- not as good a talent or a, a more beat-up talent and all those things. I mean, college football doesn't work that way. You know, there's, there's the schedule. And as I was going through and picking this bowl guy, I mean, I had to really consider schedules because records mean very little, like the actual win-loss. Uh, it's, it's certainly reflected in the line. You'll see, like, you know, six and six teams from FBS schools, uh, you know, heavy favorites over ten and two teams. Like so. Florida State and the uh, yeah the walk-ons Independence Bowl. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Walk-ons? Walk-ons. It's a, it's a, it's a, that's an appropriate uh, <laughs> name for that, even though I gave it juice last week when we talked. That's right. <laughs> Heisman voting. You both, you and I both have a vote. Uh, we weren't allowed to unveil it last week because the, the ceremony hadn't happened. Uh, shock us with your picks there, Andy. Uh, it was the exact order that they finished in. I, I didn't have to, like, labor. Like, in the past, I've been like, oh, man, who am I going to pick, even if it wasn't the top pick. This year, I thought it was pretty straightforward. I mean, Baker Mayfield was by far the best play. I mean, 41 touchdowns, five picks or something like that on a team that's going to the playoffs. I don't know how you couldn't pick him this year unless it was some sort of protest vote for his bad antics on the field or uh, what, whatever reason you want to concoct for, you know, give a, give a, re, give a sympathy vote for somebody else. Bryce Love was amazing, 1,800 yards, I think, rushing, something like that. Uh, even missed a game in there and still got to that total. Uh, then Lamar Jackson, you know, his numbers honestly were better than they were last year, or at least comparable to what they were last year. Uh, kind of got lost in the shuffle this year because some other quarterbacks were so good. But, I mean, those are my top three, and I didn't even really have to think that hard about it this year. Yeah, mine too. It was, uh, you know, unless you're going to do the Beano Cook thing, you know, and shake your fist and say this is he doesn't represent uh, – what I wanted my college athlete or something like that. Don't do that. I hate it when people do that. The saber rattling. But, oh, my gosh, he talked trash and made an inappropriate gesture at Kansas players who refused to shake his hand before the game and then took cheap shots out of there in the game. It's like, oh, you think you might react to that in a normal human way? when that? Oh, he planted a flag at Ohio State. Oh, those poor Buckeyes. Oh, my goodness. He, he, he fake planted a, a flag on a fake field that couldn't be planted because it's made of AstroTurf. Like, I mean, come on. Like, these are the reasons you don't like him? I realize he got arrested for, like, a drunken public or whatever it was in the summer. But Who has Yeah, It's a college kid. Like, for goodness sake, the moralizing that goes on from some of these people. I just hate it. You got an email from somebody um, with some Bovada numbers, uh, the public – uh, the, the most publicly backed teams. Jimmy Shapiro okay. always likes to send out the uh, the advertising for Bovada, hoping that we'll mention it. And here we are mentioning it. Yeah, so why not? Good on you. Bovada.lv. Sign up today. Uh, Oklahoma State minus six is a 93% public choice. I, I guess what he's saying there is 93% of the public money is going on the Oklahoma State side there. That That is a big, big number. 93. What does that usually – is that usually like, okay, that's a sucker bet if that many people are going in for it? Or is it just – like you're the gambling expert. What, right. what does that mean? There, there, there is a school of thought that you you want to go the – you want to jump the other way. Uh, there, You know, Covers.com has a consensus. Uh, at one point I was going just strictly against the biggest consensus on the board because I figured the people – but – uh, you know, sometimes those consensus picks win. Uh, you know, I think the better judge is whether or not the line has moved in addition to the money. If the line is staying where it is, but the public public sentiment is on one side, then I think you jump on the other side because it's not an, it's not been enough to move, and that they're anticipating sharp money coming in on that other side very late. 
I think that's I think that's what uh, what what to consider uh, when you see something like this. But it, I, I'm curious what I mean. Do you think that also maybe not 93 percent, but that also reflects the sentiment of the Virginia Tech fan base based on what you're hearing? Yeah, I think so. I think just based how this offense finished the season, uh, I think a lot of people are just wondering how are the Hokies going to score enough points to stay in this game. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to score 52 or something like that, but if they score 30, which I think is entirely possible, do the Hokies have enough to score 30? I mean, they haven't in the whole second half of the season. It's been since the North Carolina game, I believe, since they scored that many, and even that wasn't uh, an offensive masterpiece in that game. They had two defensive touchdowns, special teams touchdown, and then things just kind of got rolling on North Carolina, which was really bad. Um yeah, I mean, you, know, you factor in injuries. I think some guys will get healthy before the bowl game. But I don't know if everybody will. Uh, maybe people are maybe people are reacting to the Trayvon McMillan news, him transferring. I mean, you see the headline: Virginia Tech's leading rusher will transfer and not play in the bowl game. That looks pretty damning when you see it in print like that. But you know, those of us who follow the team are like, actually, it's it's probably not that big of a deal because they have other guys that are going to carry the load anyway. And uh, I didn't think Trayvon was going to have this huge role in the bowl game as it was. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's uh, a hope that Bud Foster's defense is going to, you know, give this Oklahoma State team a look that it hasn't quite seen, or you know, uh, sort of a uh, a roadblock that they haven't seen before. And certainly that's possible. I, I the one drawback of this defense has been that it does give up a lot of big plays, and this is an explosive team with a you know, Blitnikoff award-winning receiver, uh, quarterback who I think was sixth or seventh in the Heisman voting, is thrown for. 13,000 yards in his career. I mean, it's just an extreme challenge. And uh, I know the Tulsa game, the bowl game a couple years ago, isn't a great example because that secondary was pretty beat up. This year they have a very experienced group. Uh, Cornerbacks, at least, are healthy coming into this game. Uh, But just when you play a team that has that kind of offensive capability, the score can get going really high. And uh, Virginia Tech is not really as equipped to win a game this year as it was that year. Well, one other note about public sentiment, uh, 90% of the time it's going to be the favorite that the public chooses. That's just the fact. It's, it, people like taking the team that's better even if they're giving points. They, they just they just do. And so when you see underdogs that are um, getting public sentiment, that is that is a red flag that there, there's something interesting going on there because that's rare. That's rare. Um, you know, this time next year – we could be giving you information here that would you could probably scatter across the border to West Virginia and place these bets in a legal fashion. Um, you know, the Supreme Court is, is hearing arguments right now. They're going after this federal law. New Jersey's uh, Chris Christie is my boy right now. I'm, I'm, it's I'm, the only thing I'm, he's ever done right. <laughs> I'm a one-issue voter, man. I'm a one-issue voter. But he's going and fighting for states' rights. He has like a 12% approval rating as a governor. Like the, the only people that are like worse than him are like in the history of this, this polling is like Blagojevich and other guys who have committed crimes and gone to jail. Like that's how unpopular he is. And he's your like God because he's pursuing this legalized gambling thing. Well, it sounds like the Supreme Court is, is possibly inclined to strike down this federal law, which is bogus. Um, and it is a pretty BS law. It is. And the states and states are missing out on on revenues. I mean, that's that's all that's happening. People are sending their money to Antigua. Instead of sending it to wait, wait, wait. To, the, th- to the I state's thought, coffers, I thought this law prevented people from gambling. 
this law, what this law does <laughs> is prevents people. Yeah, it you pre- mean people are gambling still? Pre- this law exactly. prevents it. It is illegal to gamble. And these these entities, you know, the, the NCAA and Major League Baseball, they're all fighting it because it is to protect the sanctity of the sport. You know, the only the only commissioner who has a clue is Adam Silver in the NBA, who's embraced this, and he really wants to see runs betting everywhere. The NFL is the one that the most is like, oh, I we are just. This is abhorrent. The gambling is going on. It's like, you realize the only reason you're as popular as you are is because of gambling. Like, just embrace it. Yeah. I mean, fantasy sports is essentially gambling. You know, gambling on the line has been, like, you know, tied to the NFL and football forever. And honestly, like, I think the fear is always like, oh, it's going to bring a CD element into it. It's like, no, it doesn't. It, like, if there are irregularities in betting – these places know it. These places know it before anybody else. I think that's actually a deterrent to stuff like that happening. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, usually when I do my bowl guide, I feel like I'm, I'm speaking to a very small audience of people who care about the lines and care about the betting. And there's a little bit about the games themselves in there. But I You mean th- you don't think people care about the Cherubundi, <laughs> Tarts, Cherry, Boca Raton bowl? You know what? I think they do now because I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm seeing a lot of bowl pulls uh, – popping up that have lines involved with it like it used to be like well put put 31 if you think it's the you know put a point total next to the game you like oh the yeah most. The, the confidence ones yeah i don't really like those these are just straight pick i'll pick them all against the spread i'm, I'm seeing them. maybe i just hang with the, that kind of crowd probably <laughs> but, but i think there are opportunities for rubber band banks um in pools and such that people you know might that might there might be a proliferation in that going on right now if there is great Use these picks uh, to profit and hopefully uh, win those rubber band banks that you want. Andy, we'll, we'll go through these. We'll, we'll, we'll do the playoff ones last. I have them first on my sheet here, but we'll do them last. We'll, okay. We'll start with the Aaron's just going to run through them. I'll add something if I feel like I have something to add. A lot of these games, I probably don't have anything to add. Okay, Celebration Bowl, Grambling over North Carolina A&T. The line's nine. They're, they're getting nine and a half. Grambling, I don't know why they're getting nine and a half there. They have a transfer quarterback uh, from from Ole Miss who's pretty good. Uh, they can win this game outright. Take the points. Celebration mode, do they just play cool in the gang in the background throughout <laughs> the entire thing? That would make me want to watch that game if that was actually happening. You're off to a good start. That, that is a good addition to, uh, to my comments. So you, you don't have a thought about I have line. no thought about that game whatsoever. Okay. Grambling won that game last year outright as a, as a, as a favorite. So uh, I'm not sure. People must think the MEAC team here is pretty good, but I, I'm going to go with the SWAC. I'm a SWAC fan. Uh, RNL Carriers, New Orleans Bowl, Troy minus seven over North Texas. I snuck a peek uh, uh, at the email that we were just discussing from Shapiro, and apparently Troy's also one of those uh, picks. That makes me a little bit scared about this pick. Uh, but uh, North Texas lost its 1,000-yard uh, rusher to a broken foot recently. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be back or not. Uh, Troy's you know, done a pretty good job outscoring opponents 12 by 12 and a half uh, per game. I think this is uh, – They'll, they'll cover fairly easily. Troy is pretty good. There are 11 teams that have won 10 games or more in the last two seasons, and Troy is one of them. Good note. Good there, note. There's four more teams, Virginia Tech and Oklahoma State included, that could join that group uh, with a bowl win. But, I mean, Troy, these are the other teams. Uh, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Washington, USC, Boise State, San Diego State, and Troy. Wow, good note. Like, for Troy to be in that group, that, that's pretty impressive. That is very – you know, I think of them as a giant killer, you know, right? They play a lot of those big schools in the SEC, and a lot of times they're scary, scary scores uh, that pop up on your, well, they, your phone. Well, they beat LSU this year. Yeah, 
They, I mean, that's, they, that's a good win. Have they beaten Alabama before, or has they come close? Maybe back when Alabama wasn't any good. I think they maybe threatened them. Uh, I think it was Louisiana Monroe that beat Alabama okay. during Nick Saban's first year, and then he made some clumsy comment to like 9-11 or something after that. It was just like, what are you, what are you doing? That's the oh, worst possible that. thing you could do in that situation. But, yeah, every now and then those teams will jump up and get you. Auto Nation Cure Bowl. I got Georgia State plus 6.5 over Western Kentucky. I don't think you really want to get too much into that. That's in Orlando. It's at Camping World Stadium. There, that, that place hosts like three games, yeah. three or four bowl games. They do it upright. Uh, Georgia State went uh, five and away, five and one away from home this year. I like that one. Uh, and, and plus, I'm getting points there. I like that. Uh, Las Vegas Bowl, Oregon uh, favorite here. I don't take a lot of favorites in this year's guide, uh, but they're favored uh, seven and a half over a ranked Boise State team. Um, Ducks. They've kind of uh, lived and died with the performance of their quarterback or the availability of their quarterback, uh, Justin, either Herbert or Hebert. I'm not sure how to – I think it's Herbert. Herbert, okay. He's not in Louisiana. So. Yeah, well, he missed five games to injury, but when he's played in the other seven, they've averaged 52.1 points a game. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. That well, is your dream bowl, Las Vegas bowl. Uh, like, I, you want to cover that oh sometime. gosh, do I ever want to cover that. Do you think once they build that Raiders stadium that they'll move that game there? They, they would nice. that would they would have to. I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine they would fill that up or even come close. And maybe that's why you wouldn't want to do that. But uh, this is actually a pretty good. I mean, Oregon and Boise State. That's a pretty good pairing uh, uh, for this. I mean, I assume these are in chronological order when they take place. Yes. So for that early in the bowl season, that's a pretty interesting game. I'm curious. Uh, you know, that Oregon has Cristobal in place as the head coach now with Willie Taggart leaving. I'm curious. Uh, just sort of how they handle that transition with the head coach leaving. Yeah, as I note in the bowl guide, I think I think the quarterback's presence is more important than Taggart's in this situation. But we'll see. Uh, New Mexico Bowl, Marshall plus five and a half over Colorado State. Uh, Colorado State was one of the Shapiro uh, public-backed teams, uh, but I'm going the other way here. Um, Marshall's awesome in bowl games. Ten and two, uh, just straight up in bowl games. That's pretty good. Uh, they got an experienced quarterback, uh, pretty good defense. You know, CSU has not covered a spread since like October, uh, so I don't, I don't know. I know our editor Steve Hempill is a, a Rams guy, a Colorado State guy, so I don't know if he uh, he has information about why they'd be favored in this spot. But I guess it's just they're they're you know in a better conference and play a better schedule. This sounds like one that you have like really insider gambling knowledge about so i'm i'm not going to question it cj rebus plays for marshall this will be his last college game here. all right yeah, that's good note good addition you're doing really well here uh raycom media camellia bowl arkansas state minus three and a half over middle tennessee uh they've got the two-time sun bowl player of the year or sorry sun belt player of the year uh he can break terrell suggs's record uh 44 sacks he just needs one more and he can break that is that one of those records that they only started keeping track in, like, 1988 yeah, or something like that? relatively new. It's like I have a feeling Reggie White did pretty well for himself <laughs> back in the day at Tennessee. And How many did Bruce Smith have? Did, did, tech, did Tech keep track of that? Who's the sack I think they do, the but the, the, the records aren't great from that time period. I, I think I'd have to scrounge a little bit to try to find out exactly what he had. I think tackles for loss they kept a lot better than sacks back then, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Okay. I can't believe Montgomery has a bowl game. That's yeah, a crappy bowl. Like I've been to that stadium. It's because I obviously used to work down in Auburn. It's about an hour away from Auburn. Uh, I can't believe that there's a bowl game that takes place there. That's it's, 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 named, it's not the greatest stadium. Let's put it that way. It's called the Crampton Bowl. Yeah, the Crampton Bowl. <laughs> it's not. You feel cramped in when you're there. It's not the greatest place. 
uh, Chirabundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. Is that the best sponsor of the bowl season? No, no, we'll it's get to not. that. No, we'll get to that. Wow. Uh, Florida, Florida Atlantic minus 22.5 over Akron. That's Lane Kiffin's Owls there. Uh, I'm going to take the Owls. They're playing at home. Uh, I got a feeling Akron, which uh, you know they haven't uh, they haven't been to a bowl in a uh, I don't think they've been to a bowl in a while. I actually I didn't put that in in this, but I think you know they're going to enjoy the heck out of a visit to Boca Raton, and, and it's just going to be business as usual. The Owls will run it up and win this one. Either. Yeah, they're playing at home. I mean that's I, they're a big favorite. They're at home. I just can't imagine them not doing really well. I mean, that Lane Kiffin. Can coach. Yep. I mean, it's all the other baggage that comes along with it, but the man knows how to coach offense. I mean, he's turned Florida Atlantic into something relevant this year, which is amazing. Uh, it, I'll be curious if uh, Power 5 AD ever takes a chance on him as a head coach again because whoever hire, hires him is directly tying his job or her job to Lane Kiffin sure. succeeding, and he's such a wild card that you just don't want to take that risk. But – I feel like some down on their luck school, like somebody like Illinois or something. Like, what do you have to lose, Illinois? Are you really right. going to get there under Lovey Maryland. Smith? Yeah, like, Maryland. Like, hire one of these guys. I think DJ Durkin could be okay at Maryland. Yeah, I just mean uh, that's the kind of school that could do it. Right. Though. Like, and, and just like if they don't, okay, well, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. What do you have to lose, Kansas? I don't know if Lane Kiffin would want to move to Kansas, but he's a pretty good coach. I've always liked Lane Kiffin ever since uh, the Hokies played that uh, Chick Fil A ball against Tennessee. And Hokies won that game, but uh, I went, I drove down to Tennessee and uh, went to Lane Kiffin's press conference and stuff. And he was highly entertaining, and he's he's been that way his whole. I mean, I'm not his boss, so I don't have to worry about the things that tick me off. Bit of a loose cannon. Yeah, exactly. All right. Plays by his own rules. He's like one of those like buddy cop movies where he's like the the rebel cop who's out there doing his own thing. Yeah, McGarnagle. McGarnagle. He gets results. You stodgy cop. You stupid chief. <laughs> All right, uh, it's been a while since we got a Simpsons reference on here. Uh, Frisco Bowl, Louisiana Tech plus five over SMU. I think SMU is another one of those publicly backed teams. Bulldogs have won three straight bowl games. Uh, SMU will be without Coach Ch- Chad Morris, hired by Arkansas. High-scoring affair. Seems like a coin flip to me. I'll take the points. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of teams that lose their offensive-minded head coach going to another school. Although Sonny Dykes is coming in. I, did they say he's going to coach in the bowl game? There's, there's one coach somewhere that's out there that just got hired that is going to coach in the bowl game. Sonny Dykes knows offense pretty well, so maybe he could step in and do that if, if he actually is. But okay. I'll go with you on this one. You asked what was the best uh, sponsor name. We've got it right here. Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Doesn't that sound great? I'd love to, I'd love to get some paraphernalia from that ball. I don't know anything about Bad Boy Mowers, but I hope that it is backed by – Puff Daddy, <laughs> like Sean Combs, the one that's been, like Bad Boy Records. That would be the greatest logo ever if it was like Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, whatever they call him now, Diddy, uh, whatever iteration of nickname he has now. If it's, Facebook. If it's just like him and a sunglasses, just being like, take that, take that. Like that would be a great logo. Well, the name of the game is better than the game itself. Uh, Florida International plus seven over Temple. Taking the dog here. Uh, Owls have, have been better after turning to uh, quarterback Frank Newtile over the final five games, but a touchdown's too much to give. This team's got an inconsistent off- offense. I'll take the points. You could be making up these names, and I'd have no idea on some of these bowl matchups. Well, I'm relying on internet research, too, so maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong on some of this crap, too, but who knows. Bahamas Bowl, that's a bowl I wouldn't mind going to. UAB plus 7.5 over Ohio. Another dog, uh, another fading the Mac. 
just don't like the Mac. Blazers are playing with the, uh, in their first game, bowl game in 13 years. So they'll be fired up to try to win this thing, not just go and drink ales and have fun on the beach. It's not only that they're in their first bowl game in that long. This program was discontinued a couple yes. years ago. I mean, they killed the program. They resurrected it. I, I just feel like this is, would be such a great story to win a bowl game. This is the one that ODU played in last year, right? Yeah. It's, it's, you got to make your own motivation in games like this because it's 1230 on ESPN. That's, uh, you know. Not going to be a rowdy crowd there at uh, Thomas A. Robinson National Stadium. I think I remember the crowd that ODU game there. It's like, okay, there's like more people in my living room watching this game than are at the bowl game. So, yeah, might be a, a light atmosphere there. Hey, Aaron hates the Mac again in the famous, famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, Wyoming pick them over Central Michigan. I'll take the, the Cowboys there. Uh, I'm a little concerned. Quarterback Josh Allen, he's been nursing a shoulder injury. I think he's questionable for this game. But he's a legitimate NFL prospect if he plays, even though he hasn't had the best season of the, you know of his career. Uh, but you know, I just I just can't take the Mac. I mean, you're smart. I remember one year I bet I picked the I have all six Mac teams that were in this in in bowls or five whatever it was. They went zero and five. The rest of my bowl guide was like a seventy percent winners, and then like that knocked it down to like sixty. Never again. Yeah, I've been whacking. I would them out. I would take the big time NFL prospect who might use this as a showcase opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Birmingham Bowl, Texas Tech plus two and a half over South Florida. South Florida, as you know, uh, they had that wild forty nine forty two loss to Central Florida in their season finale, um, but it was the first time they'd covered a spread in five games. So they kind of hit the skids there after a strong start. Uh, Red Raiders, they, they've got they're a little more battle tested here. Uh, I don't think Charlie Strong's bunch gets it done. I'm going to strongly disagree with you for the strongly. first time. I think uh, South Florida is a better team than Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech is just sort of a mediocre Big 12 team. And I have uh, given uh, South Florida a lot of grief all year for the schedule, but I think they're actually a pretty good team, and I think it'll show in this game. Quentin Flowers, I think, can have a huge game against a Texas Tech defense that, while better this year, is still not very good. Yeah, I mean, they certainly went toe-to-toe with, with Central Florida, which Central Florida is undefeated. So, uh, you know, if you want to go with recency, you'd say they're, they're certainly better than Texas Tech. Uh, but I'll still go with Texas Tech. Lockhead Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Man, uh, this is unpatriotic, but I'm going against the Army uh, Army squad here in this Armed Forces Bowl. I'm going to take San Diego State, lay the 7.5 against Army. Yeah, San Diego State's pretty good. Rashad Penny is very, very underrated running back. 2,000-yard rusher this year. I mean, this game could last two hours and 15 minutes. Oh, that'd be glorious to cover. It shouldn't be a 3.30 start. That should be like an 8 o'clock start, and they throw a bone to the Riders where it's over in two and a half hours. Yeah, they should call it the Riders Bowl for sure. The Deadline Riders Bowl. Dollar General Bowl, Appalachian State, plus 7.5 over Toledo, another MAC team. I know you like Toledo. You've talked about them on the podcast before. Uh, but uh, the Mountaineers... They've, they've got a pretty good line, offensive line. They've outrushed their last three opponents by more than a combined uh, 500 yards. I think Toledo probably wins this game, but uh, they're a MAC team, and so I'm going to take seven and a half points and hope that uh, that's enough. Lad Peeble Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. Pretty rough. Pretty rough neighborhood there. <laughs> it's just... It is not one that you want to spend too much time there after the game is over with. So really? The lights are out. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. Like the old Orange Bowl was. Yeah, they do the Senior Bowl down there still. I'm kind of amazed by that. Uh, maybe they've upgraded the facilities a little bit. but uh, 
remember, not the greatest stadium, if I recall correctly. I remember when you covered the Orange Bowl back in the day at the Orange Bowl. They would, <laughs> they would, they would, they would you know, the people, the hosts of the place would be like, make sure you have a ride out of here. <laughs> um, yep. Okay. Uh, the Hawaii Bowl. That's Christmas Eve. It's the only game on. How does the ACC Eve? not have a tie-in to the Hawaii? Yeah, Bowl? what's going on? Get out of Detroit and get to Hawaii. Swafford, you need to step up your game. Fresno State plus two and a half over Houston. Um, betters who doubted the Bulldogs have paid for it all year. Fresno State glittering ten and two against the spread. Uh, the Mountain West best scoring offense is what they've got. Uh, they had an eight-win improvement over last season. Uh, you know, Houston. Pretty good team usually, but uh, I'm going to go with the dog again. Jeff Tedford can coach. Uh, you know, he, he, this was quite a resurrection that they had coming back this season. Uh, Eight-win improvement, like you said. I think a lot of people doubted whether he could be that kind of head coach because he really struggled at Cal. But, I mean, the proof's in the numbers there. I mean, they, you got this team up in the rankings briefly, I think, and then they dropped out after losing the, the title game in the Mountain West. But, yeah, Fresno State's a pretty good team. I don't love this next one. Uh, but this is where I'm going. Zaxby's heart of Dallas Bull. I'm taking West Virginia plus seven over Utah. And you know, Will Greer's been hurt. Uh, not sure what his status is for this game. Doesn't I think he's doubtful. Uh, not sure exactly what what's going to happen with that. So, uh, it, but still, you know the, the Utes, they're 500. I mean they're six and six. I mean I don't think they're they're all that uh, in a bag of chips here. That's analysis for you. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with West Virginia and just hope that West Virginia keep close here. I'd steer clear of this one unless yeah. I knew unless I knew whether Greer was playing. If he's playing, I like your pick. If he's not, I I, I would have no idea. Well, the way this works is you know my lo- mine are locked in now. So if he ends up playing like that, that line will move. You know, it'll move probably to three and a half or something like that instead of seven. So I'll, I'll get lucky there. But if they announce you know tomorrow that he's not playing, then I'm locked in at seven. It might go e- up even more. Quick Lane Bowl, we discussed last week. This was one of the juicelessest games we've got. Uh, Northern, Northern Illinois plus five over Duke. That's in Detroit. Uh, Blue Devils closed with wins over Georgia Tech and Wake Forest to qualify for this bowl. We But but we know this isn't one of uh, David Cuckland's best teams. I'm, I'm not laying five points with, with that Duke team right now. Just not doing it. I Duke kind of surprised me with how it came back at the end of the year. I don't know. I feel like if you hate the Mac like you always do right. and you are pretty impressed with a David Cutcliffe coached team usually, I think I'd take Duke in this one. Yeah, I don't love taking the Mac. But I, I'm i telling you, man, when, when in doubt, take the points. That, that's going to be my license plate next. Next license plate I get, T-K-D-A-P-T-S. Take the points. I like that. And I'm going to put it on a luxury automobile that I bought <laughs> with my rubber band bags. Cactus Bowl, UCLA plus two over Kansas State. Uh, both of these teams have been very disappointing. Combined nine and seventeen against the spread. Josh Rosen's probable the uh, UCLA QB. He left the regular season finale after uh, with Cal with a shoulder injury. So um, you know if he plays, that's a big deal. That's important. Um, so keep an eye on whether he's going to play or not. But I'll take the points there in a battle of uh, the mediocre. Jim Mora getting fired robbed us of the opportunity of seeing him interact with Bill Snyder again. Remember the Alamo Bowl a couple of years ago, I think it was, where they had like a little like brief terse handshake or whatever it was. Like Mora was upset that like a Kansas State player hit one of his players late or something like that. Uh, Jim Mora gets fired, so that's not going to happen this time. <laughs> so we were robbed of that moment. That is a bummer. I don't think there's much else to watch that game for, to be honest with you, unless you're, you're gambling on it. 
Uh, the Walk-Ons Independence Bowl, Southern Miss plus 15.5 over Florida State. Um, you know I love Shreveport. The Seminoles didn't cover a single spread this year until November 18th. Now, maybe you can, that would make sense if you're trying to get their quarterback uh, up to speed, all those things. But it began a, uh, a run of three straight uh, coverings against the spread. But there's no Jimbo Fisher here. There's no Derwin James. Uh, I'm just going to say it's a, a lousy game. Probably Florida State wins by 10, but that's enough to cover. Yeah, I probably agree with that, even though I think Florida State's a far better team, obviously. Oh, yeah, much better athletes for sure. Well, it's hard to wonder. you got to wonder how motivated they're going to be, although we talked last week. I mean, this could be their first losing season in forever, so I'm sure they want to avoid that. That's a motivating factor. Uh, the Pinstripe Bowl, Boston College plus three over Iowa. This is my dun dun dun, dun bowl guide lock of the season. It's a pretty big lock. Yes. I, you can't see me now, but I'm now taking my shoe off and putting it in – Pretty big shoe. Uh, Scott Leffler has this Boston College offense humming. Okay, they've averaged 36 points over their last six games, and that's been a, the the big question about Boston College. Can they score? Can they? You know, because they're always going to have a decent defense. Um, they've won five of those six games. Hawkeyes. They famously beat Ohio State this year, but they've dropped five bowl games in a row. They're not a good bowl team. I, I love this Eagles team, and I'm getting points here. I'm going to take them straight up. I'm going to take. The money line, probably something in the neighborhood of plus 130, plus 140, and uh, run that, ride that to the bank. Kirk Ferentz has you right where he wants you. Disrespecting him, underestimating him. He's going to win this bowl game, and then he's going to get a 20 more years tacked onto his contract. What do we make of Iowa beating Ohio State? I mean, it's the most mind-boggling result of the season, I feel like. Yeah. Crazy. And it single-handedly kept Ohio State out of the playoff. <laughs> because when I when I first sat down and did this, I was thinking, well, Iowa beat Ohio State. You know, i got to consider that. Then I looked at the rest of their schedule. I'm like, eh, nah, I don't have to consider that. Wisconsin held Iowa to 66 yards of offense. Yeah, yeah. I'm, give, me, <laughs> give me Adazio's defense. Give me Scott Leffler's uh, suddenly humming. You were always, always going to take your dude. They're getting points. Yeah, I, I, I like that pick. Okay. Uh, Foster Farms Bowl, Arizona minus 3.5 over Purdue. Uh, maybe this is still covered, colored from our trip to Purdue where we saw the Hokies run all over uh, the Boilermakers. Uh, that was a good blog I did, uh, the in-game blog. <laughs> the sideways picture that's still sideways on the, the our website right now. Go search for it if you can. Boilermakers haven't beaten a Power 5 team in a bowl game since 2002, okay? And they'll face an offense that ranks sixth nationally in scoring. Rich Rodriguez's team, they don't play any defense at all, but they should win this game. Khalil Tate's a really impressive quarterback. This is actually a, a really good offensive matchup. Jeff Brom at Purdue has done a really good job. Uh, Khalil Tate came on as doing like a Michael Vick impersonation in the second half of the season. This might be a really entertaining game to watch, I think. But, uh, yeah, I like the pick here with Arizona. Okay. Academy Sports and Outdoors, Texas Bowl, Missouri minus three over Texas. That's in Houston, so it's not, you know, it's a little far away from the, uh, the Austin campus. Uh, the line moved two points since several of Texas' top players have announced that they're skipping this bowl to prepare for the draft. Uh, so uh, Tigers quarterback Drew Locke leads the nation with 44 touchdown passes. Uh, you know, you combine those two factors. I'm going to go ahead and, and lay the small field goal there and take the favorite. I will say the Tigers don't have their offensive coordinator, Jeff Heupel, or Josh Heupel, took the head coaching job at UCF. So I wonder how much that affects Missouri in this game. 
just something to consider, but I, I don't really have a strong opinion on this one. Okay. Uh, military Bowl. We'll all be watching this with interest. Uh, Virginia minus two over Navy. I'm going to take Virginia here. Uh, Navy actually opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. And then it just shot the other way. People buying into UVA. and uh, I'm not sure there might have been some other things going on with Navy, but Navy also lost uh, its game against Army in the interim as a favorite. Um, so I think that, you know, they, they're one and six uh, over a seven-game stretch here. So the Wahoos, I think they're, they're going to punctuate a season of progress with a victory here. Yeah, I don't think Navy's quite as good as it's been in recent years. So I, I probably agree with this pick, too. Okay, Camping World Bowl. Uh, Oklahoma State minus four and a half. Have over, we talked about this four and a half? Over is that what it is? Uh, that's the number that I was getting yesterday. Uh, that's so, come down. I mean, that was six and a half to open. Or yeah, six, six and a half. Well, um, I think Oklahoma State's going to win this game uh, probably by about ten. That's what I was thinking as well. About in that range, I could see like a thirty-five. 24 game or something like that, or maybe 35-27. I, I just don't think the Hokies have enough firepower offensively to do it, but who knows? I've been proven wrong many times this season. It's, it's going to be very hard to keep up. And if, if they can play lights-out defense, then yes, they can win this game, but uh, I just have a hard time seeing them play as well defensively as they did uh, the last five quarters or whatever uh, that they played in the regular season. It's just it's going to be so difficult to do against this Oklahoma State team. We'll talk more about that, of course, Um We'll write more about that before the ball game. Um, Valero Alamo Bowl, number fifteen TCU minus two and a half over Stanford. That's in Texas, San Antonio. Uh, two teams that lost their conference championship games. It's a pretty good matchup. Uh, obviously, Bryce Love. We talked about. You know, he was dealing with an injury there at the end of the season, but he's going against the the number four rushing defense in the country in TCU. Uh, I'm going to take the defense here and uh, cross my fingers. I like Stanford in this one. I feel like they just have a style of play that is going to keep them in any kind of game, and I think they can pull out a close one. Uh, TCU, pretty good season, but kind of got exposed the two times they played Oklahoma. Not even close in those two games. Lost on the road at Iowa State. Um, I just think Stanford's a very, very solid team that, that uh, you know, that, that kind of you – know, uh, play that they do travels everywhere it goes. I just think it'll be very effective even against a very good defense. Okay, another very good defense here. Uh, number 16, oh, this is the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Number 16, Michigan State, plus three over number 18, Washington State. Uh, this is in San Diego. Uh, seven of Washington State's nine victories came at home. Okay, they went unbeaten at home. They looked pretty bad in road losses to Washington and Arizona. And as we talked before, Arizona's not all that great. Spartans are ninth nationally in total defense. I'm going to hope the defense keeps me in it and wins me this game. This is a very interesting matchup. You're right about Washington State. They've had a couple head-scratching losses this year. Michigan State also lost to Ohio State like 48-3 to or something like that. So I don't really have a good feel on this one. I just like the matchup. It's real. It's, it's kind of like the, the Hokies game. It's a real good offense against a pretty good defense and – I guess that's kind of what you look for in bowl games. That one doesn't start until 9 o'clock on December 28th. So maybe we'll get to see the end of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably still be hacking in the press box. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Wake uh, Belk Bowl. Wake Forest minus three over Texas A&M. You kind of talked me into Wake last week, I think. Um, you know, Jimbo Fisher will be on hand. I'm sure watching this game, but he won't be coaching in it. Uh, his Florida State team – 
beat Wake 26 to 19 in September. Deacons have gone eight and three against the spread. They had one game that didn't have a, a line on it. Um, they have a very balanced offense. It ranks in the top 30 nationally. So I mean, they they can win this game. And I, you know how I feel about Tamu. Yeah, I just think this is a game where Wake will care more than Texas A&M will. It's right, it's right nearby. They should probably have a pretty good crowd in that game. I like the Deacons. Hyundai Sun Bowl, Arizona State plus 6.5 over NC State. Uh, Sun Devils have crummy defense. Wolfpack has dealt with a lot of injuries. I looked at their injury list. It was almost as long as the Hokies. I mean, it was really, really long. Um, NC State has not been good as a favorite either. They've gone 1-5-1 and one against the spread uh, as a favorite. Lone cover came against Pittsburgh. That was back in mid-October. So uh, not loving the way uh, NC State has performed when it's expected to to win big. You've given all sorts of good gambling reasons to pick Arizona State in this one. I just can't pick a school that hired Herm Edwards <laughs> as its head coach. I just can't do it. I, I think NC State's pretty good. I mean, this could be yeah, sort of one like Bradley Chubb uh, who's going to go to the NFL here. This could be a real good opportunity for him to sort of cement his status as that sort of top 10 type guy. But he's one of the ones in dealing with injuries. Oh, is he? Uh, is he going to play? I think he's probable, but I think he's got an injury. He's banged up. Uh, I just hope Herm walks into that locker room and says, you play to cover the spread. That's all that matters. Hello. Hello. You play to cover the spread. Uh, Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, number 21, Northwestern, minus seven over Kentucky. I'm going to lay the touchdown here. Not only the Wildcats riding a seven-game winning streak, but they've also covered the spread, which is more important to me. In all seven of those victories, they're nine and three against the spread. They're, they're performing better than people expect all season. But Kentucky, exact opposite, three and nine against the spread, covered just once since September 23rd. Kentucky's kind of a paper tiger paper to me. Tiger. I mean, they just they beat up on a bad SEC East this year to get to whatever their record is. I don't think they're very good. Hokies play Kentucky at Kentucky at Rupp Arena this weekend. That could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I'm Virginia actually, Tech hasn't really played anybody that good this year. They're going to face a really good defense in Kentucky. I'm, I'm curious to see because they've been scoring points like crazy. I think if it was a castle, I, I'd give the Hokies a really good chance. I think being on the road there, that's going to be really difficult for this bunch. But we'll see. Could be an could be an interesting game. It will be an interesting game. Could be an interesting result too. Uh, Nova home loans Arizona Bowl. New Mexico State plus four over Utah State. Uh, this is Aggies versus Aggies. Uh, New Mexico State is ending the longest bowl drought in the nation. Haven't, haven't played in the postseason since 1960, and they happen to play Utah State in that one too. I don't know what to, I don't know what to say very much about this other than New Mexico State has the number four passing offense in the country. So if I'm getting points with the number four passing offense in the country, that that's good enough. I I always like to pick those teams that have had this incredibly long bowl drought because I feel like it really does come down to motivation and it means that much more for this you know, team and program. So yeah, I like New Mexico State too. I have a feeling you're going to disagree with me on this one. Uh, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, number five Ohio State minus seven and a half over number eight. USC. Uh, they, these teams have identical 11 and 2 records. Trojans though, 3 9 and 1 against the spread, okay? So they're they're pretty disappointing to be uh, 11 and 2 or at least they haven't won as convincingly as they could have in some of these matchups. Um, Ohio State not much better at 6 and 7 against the spread, but still. You know, when Southern Cal faces the Big 10 opponents, they don't cover. They're own over their last four in those spots. So uh, I like the trend there. I actually don't disagree with really? you. It, it it all comes down to what Ohio State team shows up. I feel like if uh, a properly motivated, on-point Ohio State 
team plays in the game, it could beat anybody in the country and it could do it soundly. But you, you, like they'll, they'll have an Iowa game out of nowhere and lose by 31. You're like, what, what's going on with this team? Uh, yeah, I, you know, USC had a very nice year. I'm not the biggest believer in what the Trojans have done. They don't have a ton of quality wins outside of beating Stanford a couple times. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on this one with Ohio State. I remember I felt pretty good about USC last year in, in, in its bowl game against Penn State, and Penn State covered that game, and I felt really dumb. I think I laid something like seven or seven or eight with, with USC, so maybe that crept into my mind too when doing a bowl, bowl guide this year. Tax Slayer Bowl, this is one we thought we might end up going to. We didn't end up uh, getting that, but um, that's December 30th. Number 23, Mississippi State, plus 6.5 over Louisville. That's noon on ESPN on the 30th. Uh, ankle injury to uh, Mississippi State quarterback Nick Fitzgerald. That took some of the juice out of this matchup in terms of uh, the exciting signal callers going up against each other. Uh, I just, you know, Louisville's so so inconsistent. I'm looking forward to watching Lamar Jackson. But uh, Mississippi State has a good defense, ranked 10th nationally in total defense. I, I, you know, I, I think they can keep this close and probably possibly win this game straight up. I like Louisville in this one. Whenever it's like it's like a guy that's in his final college game and a quarterback like that that kind of wants to put on a show, I, I always take that kind of like Dak Prescott was like Johnny that. Mantel. Yeah, he had a pretty good game. Against Duke, right? Yeah, um, I think uh, Teddy Bridgewater was like that in his bowl game. I think Lamar Jackson will do the same. I think it'll be too much for a, a team like Mississippi State is playing without his quarterback. Yeah, that's one of those games I would probably just stay away from. But I pick them all, so that's my pick. Uh, AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Iowa State plus three and a half over number twenty Memphis. That's in Memphis. Okay, this is the first time in Liberty Bowl history that the that Memphis has played in the game. So that's, that, that's a consideration, but you know, I, I, Iowa state didn't just beat TCU. didn't just beat Oklahoma. I mean, it, it, it surprised all season long. It went 10 and one against the spread. I mean, Iowa state is essentially what you're saying is they're better than what their record shows. And Memphis, I don't know a ton about Memphis. Maybe you can fill me in. Maybe, you know, more as a poll voter. Um, but, I don't know. I, I looked at their schedule and I looked at their, you know, their numbers, and I wasn't overly impressed with any of them. So I said I'd take the points here. They're a pretty good offensive team. Uh, their one big win this year was against UCLA, and it turns out UCLA is not really that good. Uh, yeah, I'd be curious in this one. I've been playing in their home stadium like that. That's something. They have a receiver as uh, Anthony Miller. This is, uh, I might be screwing up his name. He's a tremendous receiver, first team All American on some of these teams. Uh, I don't know. I, I've liked Iowa State all year, too. I, this might be a tough one for me to, to pick a side on because I think both teams are pretty good. Well, when in doubt, take the points. Read my license plate. <laughs> PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, number 11, Washington, plus two over number nine, Penn State. Uh, Shaquan Barkley, he's facing the number one rushing off uh, defense in the country. So that is a good, good matchup. That'll be fun, fun to watch. Uh, Huskies have their own running back who's pretty good. Miles Gaskin, 1,200-yard rusher, 19 touchdowns. Uh, I'll take the points. I don't think Washington's very good. I haven't been high on them all season. Like They, they beat down Washington State in that last game, but that was really like the only good win they had all year. I'm I just not a – I don't know. Not a big fan of Washington. I'll take Penn State this one. Okay. All right. Uh, Orange Bowl. Number six, Wisconsin, minus 6.5 over number 10, Miami. We, we touched on this game last week. 
this, this game is at Hard Rock Stadium, so it's uh, sort of a home game for well, it is a home game for Miami, but the the crowd will be split. How how is your how is your fan base going to travel? You think? Oh, they're going to go in droves. Yeah, they're going to drink South Beach dry. Like that's that's just what Wisconsin fans do. Like if you're in Wisconsin in you know late December, January first, New Year's, where would you rather be? Like up in Wisconsin where it's cold and snowy, or down on South Beach? Do, do your impression of a Wisconsin fan seeing the bill after he's ordered nachos on South Beach. Ah, oh, jeez, that's a big. That, <laughs> don't you that's know? pretty big. Don't you know? Don't you, you know? Tell me this. Uh, don't you know is more Minnesota, okay. and then. Chicago is more of the the super fans, the Bears, the Bills, and then Wisconsin has more of a ah geez that kind of thing. Okay, though that's the uh, the difference in dialect up there. Whiskey was uh, eight and five against the spread this year. It's pretty good. They're a good team, and pretty Miami's good. beat up, and that yeah, I think Wisconsin's going to beat them pretty bad. Yeah, I hope so. I'm a Badger, I have, you know, Badger Wisconsin graduate here talking here, so I'm obviously biased. I think they're going to take their soul. I think this is going to be at least a two touchdown victory. It's going to be easy. Wow, the soul snatching. This is, yeah, they this won't is. just snatch the chain. They will sat, snatch their soul. Outback Bowl, January 1st, South Carolina plus 7.5 over Michigan. I just don't know that Michigan can score enough. That uh, I mean, I don't think South Carolina is any good, but uh, the over-under is only 43 in this game. A chintzy 43. Chintzy. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Well, it means very small number. Yeah, okay. 43, yeah. It's, it's usually you'll see you know, 50s and 60s in college games. But I just don't think I don't think they're going to score enough to to you know look this game could end seventeen to seven and then you end up losing your bet. Well, here's how good South Carolina's offense is that just fired its offensive coordinator. Right. So yeah, I seven and a half. Yeah, that, that's that's a big number for Michigan to cover. I, I like this one too, South Carolina. Okay. Chick Fil A Peach Bowl number twelve UCF plus nine and a half over number seven Auburn. Well, you know, I, we, I, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth when I talked about the South Florida, Central Florida matchup and, and how, you know, South Florida covering that game against Central Florida didn't mean all that much to me, but now I'm going to take Central Florida in this game. I think Auburn's better. Are they nine and a half points better? I don't know. I mean, the motivation's got to be really, really uh, strong with this – Central Florida team. They can finish undefeated. They can make their own claims as national titleists and all that stuff. Uh, I do love the tweet that the Central Florida had, uh, the official Twitter account of Central Florida after the Final Four was announced. Uh, it was, quote, dang, Bama got in over us. It was funny. It's true. I mean, it was sort of self-effacing a little bit, I think. This game kind of feels like Wisconsin-Western uh, Michigan last year where Wisconsin was kind of in control the whole game and won, but I think uh, Western Michigan was right there. They had, like, a bunch of fumbles that they kept recovering somehow. Uh, But, yeah, I I think that, you know, Scott Frost is going to stay there and coach this game uh, for UCF. I think it'll be a point of pride for them to stay competitive in this game. I don't know if they can win, but I think they will stay competitive in it. you looking forward to watching that game? Yeah, I think that'd be a, a really interesting match. Anytime Auburn plays, I'm always right. sort of intrigued just because of my past there. But uh, yeah, no, this this will be uh, whatever it's sort of this. Uh, I don't want to say David versus Goliath because I think UCF is a lot better than that. But a group of five team going up against you know these uh, these big boys from the Power Five, I think it's an interesting matchup. Yeah, I think that's a really tasty appetizer right before the big ones in the evening. You know, I, I'm not sure this one is as much, but. 
I gave it juice last week. Citrus Bowl, number 17 LSU, minus three over Notre Dame. Two teams love to line up and just try to run over each other. Uh, Betters pounced on the Tigers early when the line came out at LSU, minus one. Uh, The Irish have not covered a spread since October 28th. They've really kind of fallen into a uh, a rut here where they're not not, uh, performing nearly as well. And, of course, October 28th was probably the height of uh, public – confidence in in Notre Dame and then they went and got shellacked in, in uh, Miami so that changed a lot of people's opinions about them. yeah I'll probably agree with LSU on this one I feel like Notre Dame if it can't run the ball can't really do much of anything offensively and LSU is pretty good stopping the run I think so uh, they go up the, that sort of caliber of athlete in the SEC I think it'll be tough uh, sledding for the Irish yeah Irish need a better quarterback basically they need somebody who can really provide a better threat all right, let's do the college football playoff games here. What you've all been waiting for, the uh, Rose Bowl, number three, Georgia, minus one and a half over no- number two, Oklahoma. I know you disagree with this already. Um, but you got you got your Baker Mayfield on one side, okay? But then you've got a Georgia defense that ranks second nationally behind Alabama and allowing just 5.58 yards per passing attempt. So you got your, you know, your defense versus offense there, and I like to take the offense in those scenarios. Um, Oklahoma has a great offensive line, but the Bulldogs have a, a stout defensive line. They have some really good linebackers. Um, Buckus Award winner Roquan Smith is on that side of the ball. That's, I, I like defense. I mean, maybe it's because I'm, you know, a Ravens guy, you know, a, a Marylander who pulls for the Ravens. But when you take a defense that's really good and you take it anywhere, it feels like it. it it, it can win games for you. I feel like this is the stretching that limit of that theory because I think Oklahoma is, is that good on offense. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield's going to go into this with a point to prove. You know, they haven't fared too well in past playoff appearances. Uh, the last couple years, I don't know. I just think that offense is operating at a different level than what Georgia has seen this year. I mean, really, the only team that they've played that had an offense quite that good was Auburn. And the only time they beat Auburn was when the running backs were all beat up in the SEC championship game. And even that wasn't like a complete blowout. A couple weeks earlier, Auburn had blown out uh, Georgia on the field. I, I think it's just too much offense uh, for what Georgia's defense has seen this year. I, I like Oklahoma to win this. Who would be the best defense Oklahoma faced this year? Uh, who's, who's I the don't know. Who's stalwart defense? Uh, TCU? Yeah. And they blew them out both times. Okay. I mean, Ohio State's going to – I know it's probably not statistically that good of a defense. You look at what it did against Iowa and you go, man, they're terrible. But uh, Ohio State shut down a lot of teams too and, you know, Oklahoma moved the ball on them pretty well. I think they scored 35 points or something like that. So uh, this is a different level of offense, I think, than what George is seeing. So. I think we both agree, though. That's that's the game of the Oh, that's a great game, yeah. yeah. Although this is – next one is pretty good too. <laughs> Sugar Bowl, number one, Clemson – Plus two and a half over number four, Alabama. You know, we talked about it last week. Debates were raging over whether Alabama should be in or out. The betting public had no problems with it. Lines makers had no problems with Alabama being in. They made them a favorite. Uh, actually, it opened as a pick and quickly was bet uh, to two and a half in favor of uh, Alabama. You know, they're going to get healthy here, Alabama. They're going to get healthier than they were at the end of the season. But looking at their whole resume, uh, they went – Five and seven against the spread this year. I mean, they, you know, I remember some of those games, you know, like the Vandy game where they, they kicked the crap out of Vandy, but 
there were a lot of games where they just were unimpressive in victory. Um, and I, I like Clemson. I mean, Dabo, he's proven he's get got gets his boys ready for these kinds of games, and I don't see why with that defense they can't beat Alabama. If Clemson was favored by two and a half in this game, I'd still take Clemson. I think I would too. So I mean, uh, you give me five additional points, uh, Clemson two plus two and a half. I'm definitely taking the Tigers in this. I, I think the Tigers win the national championship again. I think that defense is that good. I think the offense is good enough. I mean, they're not the caliber that they were last year, but I think people are kind of sleeping on what Kelly Bryant brings to this offense, the kind of weapons they have on that side of the ball. And, you know, this is a battle-tested team. They've, they've played a lot of tough teams, and they've destroyed a lot of tough teams this year. So uh, I don't think Alabama's as good as it's been in the past. I think it'll show in this game. We want to see Clemson-Oklahoma, don't we? Isn't that what That'd be really entertaining. You have the Heisman Trophy winner, really good offense. You have the defending national champs, really good defense. Uh, I think that'd be a great game to watch. They just kind of swap the SEC aside for it. Oh, that'd, that'd be, know, yeah. They're not even in. You know, just. I feel it. like if if Georgia played Clemson in the national title game, it would just be well. You just saw a version of that with Alabama playing Clemson in the previous week, and if Georgia and Alabama play in the title game, like I, I feel like a lot of the country might tune out to seeing two SEC teams battling like that. So yeah, I think Oklahoma Clemson would be the the best matchup from a, a viewing standpoint, at least to, in my opinion. Well, we know we went a little long this week, but we appreciate you sticking with us. And hopefully if you got a long car ride for the holidays or something, this, this will be something you can listen to and, and maybe get a nugget or two out of there. Um, and if we do get together next week, we, we will, uh, if there's enough to talk about. But if not, uh, have a great holiday season, and we'll be back after the bowl game to talk about what happens in the Camping World Bowl. For Andy Bitter, this is Aaron McFarling. Thank you for joining